When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Equity of up to one hundred and fifty million pounds. You're on the theatre, fun. You're here to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aesthetica. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. We have got a couple of games to recap for you here this week. A couple of London derbies on hand. And I've got three of my favorites alongside with me to do so. We start by throwing it out to the Todd father out there in SoCal. He is at TC underscore Kasho. Todd, what's going on, man? Oh, it's uh, an undefeated Saturday. Sir, any day. Any day that uh, you can look at the table and after six matches and well, you see zero in the loss column is a good fucking day. It's the best start in six years somewhere along those lines. I'm not mad about this in any way, shape or form. Business like throughout the week, Andrew, I'm not mad at it. Nor should you be. Scott is also with us. He is at DSM Spurs. Scotty, what's going on? Chilling. Cracked a beer. Silver in the wind. It's a four-day weekend for me. I took some PTO yesterday, and um, actually, I think I think about it. I played 14 hours of Xbox yesterday. It was fucking phenomenal. So, uh, weekend's off to a good start. That is a that is an awful lot of Xbox. Uh, the legendary Caroline is with us as well. Legendary staycation at, at CG Steph yes. Go on Twitter. Kaz, what's going on? Uh, I'm good. I'm getting used to Spurs being consistent in the most inconsistent way possible it's like every, every week is an adventure you know <laughs> every week is an adventure I, I, I i'm so told, excited to chat on that andrew yeah i was told by by a couple of listeners that i was supposed to come up I, apparently i have nicknames for you all um but i don't think i have nicknames i think i just address everyone before the pod and we introduce everyone and get a voice but um according to the razor and the flange uh there is apparently nicknames being dealt out, so we'll uh, we'll leave that we'll leave that where it is and, uh, and uh, let them comment. Let them comment on their the next f- podcast. <laughs> those are some of the finest figures of the podcasting universe, Razor and the yeah. Flange. Give those Razor guys proper the, shouts. Razor and the Flange can uh, can get get back to me on what they what they really think the nickname battle is all about. <laughs> uh, midweek, we we started with the midweek games this past week, and Spurs went away, not too far away, but went away to West Ham, and uh, I would say earned a one-one draw. I, I guess I guess that's how you would kind of phrase that, Todd. I mean, to me, it felt a little like drop points midweek, but as you know, when you go on the road in a London derby and get a point in a in a what I have to say was kind of a tough atmosphere, kind of an interesting atmosphere at the London Stadium. I don't know. I didn't come. I came away from that game in the moment, feeling kind of shitty about it. But in the end, I'm like, 
okay, they they got they got a job done. They got a point. What was your feeling after this match? Well, like I said in the open, it was uh, kind of a workman effort, uh, very businesslike from Spurs this week. Um, there was rotation in in both games, uh, at key spots in the side, and so in, in the West Ham match specifically, um, you know, we f- it, it does feel a little bit like drop points because you feel like we had that game by the scruff of the neck, but um, Socek has be started to become a little bit of an inevitability against Spurs, which I hate to say, and it happened again. We were sloppy, and Hugo let a silly goal in his near post, and individual airs FC rears its ugly head again. So you could you could start to hit the panic button at midweek if you were that type of um, hyperbolic Spurs fan, which the Bird app has plenty of. Um, or you can just kind of look at this as one point on the road that we didn't get last year and move on to Saturday. Which is which is what they did and what we did, obviously. It's it's interesting when you frame it that way, a point that they didn't get last year, because that's honestly been the theme of the season is getting points that have it that weren't gotten last season, uh, which I do think is is something to note. Scotty, what was your, your main takeaway from the midweek match? I, you know, uh, Todd mentioned some rotation. We did see a little bit of that. Uh, we saw Basuma come in in the midfield. I think overall, on the whole, I don't think we loved what we saw out of Basuma. Um, that was the big one. Romero was still out, so Sanchez was back there. We saw his his scoreless streak end finally. Um, but overall, I thought this one, you know, the second half to me was what was disappointing. It felt like West Ham had the better of it in the second half after we went in at the break up 1-0. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll, I'll start by saying, and this isn't a response to you again, just thinking out loud. I think it's too early to be anything more than like just a little bit irras- irrationally microscopic with like the Basuma takes and things like that, right? Like it's it was his first start and he had a stinker, a big, big stinker. But I think like it's early, right? So I, as far as like the individual performances, blah, 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 my takeaway is a point at the London Stadium. I will always take that and I'll fucking go home with that point always. And and that place is just, I think it sounds a little bit defeatist, but I think what's easy to forget about is they're going into the North London Derby in that match, right? Or not. And I, I just, I just think that does something from a sports psychology perspective that is really hard to overcome. And until we can get there and, and really you only beat that with sheer talent, which we don't have enough of across our 11 quite yet. Right. Um, that's just a really, really hard place to go get three points because they they will give every ounce of themselves for for for, for that result, right? I think to your point oh. about always, always ex- like wanting to get up at least a point at the London Stadium. I, that's where I push back a little because I feel like West Ham, and this is maybe just my ego, but West Ham to me, I look at as the little brother. And I look at them as, you know, you should yeah. never let your let your little brother, you know, get one over on you. Um, I, I, I don't know. Sorry, that's, I don't mean to jump right back in. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a very valid, valid pushback. I think my my counter to your counter is just the sports psychology piece, which is so easy to look past as a fan. But when you're in that stadium and every single fan, you know, wants to kick Ethan and they're doing everything to get behind West Ham. Like Arteta, for example, talked about spinning 
at at uh, Anfield, right? And one time in his career, where he was so discombobulated that he just couldn't play, right? That shit happens to players, and and the London Stadium is going to be a place where we're going to face the possibility of that happening to our team, right? So, from a sports psychology perspective, it's a real thing. You know, we can talk about talent, and they're the little brother, and we're a little bit better, blah blah blah. But that is their game, home but, to Tottenham every single year. Yeah, it is. Essentially, what's essentially what Scott's saying is that bubbles are fucking terrifying, and I'm here to back <laughs> him up on that. But ultimately, where we're, <laughs> listen, oh, the London Stadium, the pitch is too far away from the stands for there to actually be an atmosphere. So I'm gonna push back a little bit there. I will say that they are always going to be up for this match more than any other. We are their Cup final. Fuck. West Ham and their fans and everybody associated with them and all of the caravans that they they drive. And I have to do that because Shuban is drunk and unable to be here today. So understand <laughs> that there is proper amount of West Ham slander on this pod. Shuban, you're welcome. Uh, that said, we are sloppy in finishing. We look like an early season team that is not sharpened by and hardened by the experience of the season. We look like we've played an eighth of the year because we have. But I'll tell you what, we've played an eighth of the year and we're undefeated, Andrew. And so as we're going to come on to, part of being undefeated throughout this point in time is picking up nasty, hard-earned points on the road, which is what we did at the Dirty Spammers, and I'm happy to do so. I think that's fair. Caroline, are bubbles terrifying to you as well? Maybe not bubbles. Um, Antonio can be a little terrifying. Their Antonio, not our Antonio. Although so can ours, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> you don't, you don't want to you don't want to piss him off. That would be scary. No, no, no. Yeah, I was I was feeling pretty down after this game, like in the immediate aftermath. But then there were two things that kind of made me feel better about it. One is like we've always talked, already talked about, this was a game where we picked up a point where last season we didn't have one. We've been doing that all season so far, if you exclude the games against the newly promoted teams. So if we continue to do that, we should be comfortably third, at least this season. So that's a nice thing. And I also just had to remind myself that this is not the best that we can play. So if we're still getting results, you know, kind of just coasting through this first part of the season. I, I suppose that's a good thing. Um, and we'll get onto it with the next game. I think we improved um, when we played Fulham. But I, I will admit that I was one of the people who was pretty critical of Basuma. I was not impressed with him at all um, against West Ham. He, Todd is going to hate me for saying this, but it kind of reminded me of like when Pierre has one of his headless chicken games. Okay. It's um, a great point. Kind of did too, Here we go. Actually. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. This is fantastic. I'm really, really glad that we're coming on to this. Please finish, Cass. Well, you know, Pierre also had the sort of weird, like, was it an injury? Was it not? Uh, then his boot was having an issue, and he just was not the same after that point. Uh, so basically, our midfield was non existent. That was the issue. They were just walking all over us. And. Luckily, it seems to have been ironed out with Benchenkur coming back into the squad. But, yeah, it was not good. Agreed. And I'll say two things. One, losing both Benchenkur and Romero at the same time is going to cause massive, massive problems in possession, regardless of who you have in your midfield. Let's just say it that way. 
Um, second thing that I will say is if you noticed, Basuma came on and played Pierre's role, and Pierre tried to play Bentinker's role, and he didn't do so particularly well, especially after the injury. And Basuma found himself in a position to where he absolutely looked like Pierre when he had one of his headless chicken games because that role that you play there, if you're not smart about it, causes you to turn the ball over fucking constantly because you are yeah. in a position to be like, oh, I can play that pass. Oh, I can play this pass. And the next thing you know, you're like, dude, you haven't pre- you haven't completed a pass in your last five. Like, get your shit together and recycle the ball. And yeah. that's kind of how it felt in watching Basuma. Scott? Sorry, man. I don't mean to cut you off. I'm getting excited here. But I, I, I just – you make a good point because I think – if we if if we have let's say uh, uh, Benteker and Sanchez, I still think we probably win that game. And I'll back up by saying, even though I said I'll take the point, had Benteker played, we win that game. And that's because we create agreed probably four more chances that I can think of that didn't come because Benteker was not on the field. And I'm I'm not throwing a random stat out there. I'm thinking of like four times during the game where a chance didn't create because Benteker wasn't there. Um, had had it had it been Benteker and Sanchez, we win. But Benteker and Romero is like really tough, right? Benteker is so important, and I think you know we talked about this in the chat today. But the only thing he does that that makes me feel so confident in saying that is he gets into the super tight space, says "Give me the fucking ball," and then he gives it to someone in front of him, like. And and if we don't have that, we have to go out wide, and they just stuff us like. We, if we don't have Benteker, the 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 best ten thousand foot cliff notes of this is with no Benteker, all the other team has to do is shut us down out wide. Game over. We're not doing shit right, and we got to get that figured out. Here, here's the other big factor to the West Ham match is that, and and this is this is on Basuma. He takes the stupid yellow uh, about twenty minutes in. Stupid yellow, man. Really, really, just foolish foolishness uh, for descent. And then two minutes later, Sanchez picks up a yellow. So you've got both of those guys playing on a booking for 70 minutes or so. That's going to really hamper what you're able to do with two guys that are, I'm going to say backups with a, with a massive asterisk because we all know that they're, they're capable, skilled players, but those are rotational guys for right now until they prove otherwise. So when you, when you add in the factor of beat playing on a booking and the fact that we know that Sanchez and Basuma are not the ball progressors that both Bentoncourt and Romero can be from those specific positions. That's going to really hamper what you're able to do for the rest of the game. And again, that was about 20 minutes in uh, that they both picked those up. Uh, now, granted, 10 minutes later or so, you get the goal. What, what was what ends up being an own goal, and you go up, and everything looks great. And but but then you're you're left holding on for the rest of that game to that one nil lead. That's going to be really tough. Well, and I think we rely a lot on Bentoncourt for defensive stability as well. 100%. If you go back and look at the goal we conceded, Hoybier was busy chatting with the ref, arguing about the boot situation still. And Basuma was just, he was just not in the game at that moment. Lost. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, just lost. Mm-hmm. Like Bentoncourt has this composure in defense that I think we've kind of underrated um, since he's joined the team. Yes. So, yeah, he was missed hugely. Well, it, well and, and it sucks. It sucks too when you look at it from the standpoint of it's West Ham and they had not been playing well entering this game. You know, they got their first win right before this game um, and their first goal for that matter, if I recall correctly, uh, at least in Premier League play. 
So like you would like to do a little bit more against a team that was struggling that poorly, but to, to the points that you guys made, this is their, this is their Super Bowl. This is their, their everything, this game mm-hmm. playing us at home. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal for them. And, and they showed that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, no it's, it's clearly a cup final. And, and, and again, they're, they're they... always, they're always going to act that way when, when, when it comes down to us, like, and that's okay. I mean, it's, it's, you know what? So is Chelsea, you know what? So is Arsenal. Like that's just kind of who we are as a, as a football club is the team that everybody loves to get up for. So good. Fucking good. We're the best when the pressure's high. Like, let's go. Scott. Yep. Yeah. No. And I also think it's worth citing that tactically West Ham did a good job. I mean, they, again, they stuffed us out wide and they forced us to go down the left. Um, and when I say that, they forced us to Emerson's side, but in turn, we forced we we were forced to go down to the left, right? Which is Perisic's side, in my opinion. But they made sure that we we could only find find a way to get down the field down the left. And at that point, we're very one pronged in our, our offensive approach, and it become challenging too. So I, I really think they did a good job tactically. Again, Bentaker breaks their tactical approach, in my opinion, and and, and beats David Moyes, right? But, didn't have Benteker and, and Moyes took advantage of that too. So I also want to say the other thing I want to say about this game, and, and you guys know that I am not the type to do this. So me doing this should be notable, but I thought the officiating in this game was kind of shitty. Um, I am not the type to complain about yeah. officials, but I look, the yellow cards, some of them were deserved. I, I mentioned Basuma, but five to two in the, in the bookings uh, I thought was, lopsided more lopsided than it probably should have been um and i just thought this match was not it didn't really feel on the level and i'm not saying that it was an undeserved point for west ham i think it was deserved i thought they played in that spot but i just thought eh, man that's that's really tough for me um seeing it that way i'm glad you brought up emerson though scott because he's he's become kind of a talking point among spurs fans at this point because He's played in every game. We haven't really seen much else from that right, right back, right wing back spot. And I thought in in the West Ham match, I thought he was one of our better players, despite the fact that we're still not seeing. I think the one thing we're not seeing from him is the ability to cross the ball properly. And I don't know that we will see that. He doesn't really have the Hold end on. product, but everything else seems to be there for him. Go ahead, Todd. Well, what I will say is that he was extremely consistent again today. Like, everybody's sitting around going, we're waiting for Emerson to be something that he's not. Like, Emerson's always going to be Emerson. He's not, he doesn't have a wand of a right foot. He's not going to put it on a fucking platter. But to be fair, the runs are also late into the box. The majority of Emerson's balls are having to be cut back as opposed to hit that far post. So, it's really not an opportunity. If you notice, he even took like three shots over the course of the last two games, and two of them are really nice looking. Really nice, wrong. yes. A little bit of a stroke on the kid. So if he can add that to his game where it's like, hey, you know what? I'll tee one the fuck up on you guys. You better pay attention. Like that's enough of a threat for me to make that little bit of a cutback move that he has and he has in his locker on a regular basis that much more dangerous. I would say that in the West Ham match, there were two instances. And today there were two instances where Emerson put balls on a plate and we just couldn't finish them. That's not on him. That's on our finishing, which again goes back to a little bit of a of a some rust in the gears just getting out of the gate over the first eighth of the season yeah i think with emerson 
one of the reasons that I have kind of preferred Doherty when he's fit, obviously, is that he has a little more of that goal scoring instinct than Emerson does, I think. But over the last couple of games, like Emerson has improved in that regard. I think if we see him starting to make some of those runs into the box, like Sessegnon will do, um, then we'll maybe feel a little more balanced from the wing back positions. So I, I don't have a problem with Emerson. I think he's earned his, his start right now while Doherty is, you know, coming back from injury. Spence is kind of a wild card. I don't have a problem with him starting at all. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it either. I think that what we've seen, and we, and we we saw this even going back to last season, is that Emerson gets a lot of space given to him on that right side. And until he starts proving a little bit more ability in terms of his crosses, his accuracy of cross, like until he starts banging crosses into heads for goals, that he's going to get that space. And, and once he starts banging those crosses somebody's going to come out to him. That's going to open up more space in the middle. And it's just going to be so much better for, for players like Kulisevsky, Kane, Richarlison, son on the other side, even like it's going to open up that middle so much more. So if you can get a little bit more consistency out of those crosses and, and his game in general, and, and your point about Doherty is right. We, that's something that we were asked to address. We don't really know what Doherty is right now. He, we've seen him one time as a late sub in the Southampton match. I know what he is. I know exactly what he is. Okay. He's recovering from a fucking knee injury. Give my guy a break. No, I'm not. No, nobody's no nobody's slacking off slacking off on him. Like, trust me, we're not. I'm not down on Doherty. I. Yeah, I think it's honestly a good thing that Conte is being cautious with him because I think there could come a time post World Cup where we need some of those players who aren't involved in the tournament to be fully fit. So if we're getting him back in, yeah, it's great. (laughs) And and I'll say a couple things on Emerson. First of all. I will say it again. What that man has done for this club in the past two, three weeks is is just mind bending. That is so much work and effort and recovery. Like he's just I guarantee you that guy's just been living recovery, eat, sleep, soccer, recovery, eat, sleep, soccer. That's it at that point. Right. Like look at how he runs. So anyone slating him on Twitter, like do what you want. I don't care. You're not affecting me, but just have a better understanding of what's happening on the field, right? That man is deserves so much credit for what he's doing for this club right now. Now we need we need someone to supplement, and I've been screaming that, right? Um, for a couple of reasons. One, Emerson needs to rest. Two, he's working on his offensive acumen, and that's my point here, right? If you look at if you look at Sessignon and Emerson both today, yes, they're afforded space, but I'll be an ass and push back and say, no, they're, they're earning that space tactically. Right. And, and again, we're on, we're saying the same thing. I'm just joking around, but, but there is so much space for those two because of what we're doing. And we need people to be out there who can get forward and finish. Right. We're working on Sessegnon. Perisic is playing good balls in. I think he can, he can even be more goal oriented at times. Right. And he'll get there, but we need finishing from the outside. That is what's going to happen over and over again because Sun and Kane demand so much attention from the back line. It's it's just hilarious how much space Sessignon was 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 afforded today. You know, to, to go back to the joke, but um, what I'm saying is we have to get some finishing and it has to come quickly. And Emerson needs a rest. So Conte's got some work to do. He knows his system better than I do, but I can tell you that it, it revolves around those those two wing backs, right? And, and and we've got a little bit of work to do because. Yes, we're playing well. Yes, we're off to a super hot start, but our our uh, our good run is not sustainable because of the wing back position and because of Bentaker. So we've got a couple of things to the, the the lack of a second Bentaker is what I mean, and we've got to figure those two things out. 
my uh, my half baked take, which I'm not really fully ready to pull out of the oven, is that that Emerson is the new Sissoko in that he's a a, a good player who is well becoming becoming more and more beloved by the by the by the club and by supporters. But you'd love to see that little bit of extra offense out of him. But you you're not sure it's ever going to be there, which is fine. Like he's a completely no, respectable suitable not. player. It's not fine. No, it's fine. It's just that the offense is never going to come. It's, I mean, like at some point, and that's what I mean. Have to understand what the what the player is. Yeah, and that's okay. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. And it's it's okay because we're gonna. I, I think Emerson's getting a lot of respect for 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 the effort, and not only the, the effort he's putting out, but the fact that he's playing so many minutes. Like to Scott's point, like he's gonna need a break at some point. There's gonna need to be some rotation. You would expect um, with all of these games coming up. So. I like I said, it's a half big take, and it's not. I'm gonna leave it in the oven for a little while longer and, and see if it can cook up a little more, and and we'll, Dude, we'll figure just it out. Just fucking pull there. it out and eat it. Learn something. No, nah, I don't want to get. I don't want to get everyone. I don't want to get everyone sick. I don't want to. We risk. We risk a lot there. Trust me. If if I can put a little uh, seasoning on that take, uh, the difference here is that Sissoko Ooh, did not have the benefit of working under Conte. I think that if Emerson does have that potential inside him for the offensive improvement, like Conte is going to get it out of him. So there, there's that. There also might there also might be a I don't, reason I don't Sissoko hate didn't have that. There, there might be a reason Sissoko didn't have that opportunity under Conte. It's because Conte would have looked at Sissoko and been like, um, "My dude, the door's over there." <laughs> dude, no, so he might want him as a wingback. Sissoko wingback has the potential no. to be an even bigger cult hero than Sissoko. Is that what you're saying? I uh, I don't know <laughs> don't, about bigger, but like I said, that, there, there's a reason. That. There's a reason the take is half baked. Um, all in all, though, West Ham did I, I think outperform Spurs in this match, and I think the point is the point, and we will take the point. You know, West Ham had 1.24 expected goals to Spurs 0.63. So if you can get a point out of a match where the XG looks like that, I think you take it and you move on to Saturday, uh, which is what we're going to do right now. We're going to talk Fulham. <sighs> Uh, because Spurs come back and get the home victory today as we record this on Saturday afternoon. Uh, and they kind of, I don't want to say they dominated this game, but it felt way more comfortable than even a 2-1 scoreline would suggest, didn't it, Todd? Yes. Uh, I was going to ask if you wanted me to go to someone been. else there. <laughs> no, 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 no. My biggest issue internet on that is, is no, it, it was, the internet was fine. My biggest issue on that is I'm thinking about Mitrovic finding the fucking top corner in the 83rd minute and my butthole clenched up. What do you want from me? Like, we were cruising. You know what? Finding our business, everything's fine. It's before that, Richie hits the fucking post on a vault. And everybody almost lost their shit. I'm half sideways on mimosas, enjoying the hell out of my morning, going, wait a sec, wait, what the oh no! And that's not the way you want to end a nice little walk in the park on a Saturday. I Saturday, I never no, it did not feel like a I did not feel that way. And that's fair that you did, yeah. and I respect that. But this felt more like an ass kicking to me than anything else. And I, I just, I'm going to do Scott's favorite thing here. I just brought up the XG from the West Ham game where Spurs were, were on the wrong end of it. They were on the much better end of it in this game. 2.98 yeah. expected goals to 0.74 for Fulham. So, th again, it felt more 
comfortable well, than I think the final okay, scoreline no. would suggest. I disagree, and I'll tell you why I disagree. I don't think the stats tell the story because if you look at those two Hugo saves on the fucking deflected balls, both of which were headed for the net, both of which Hugo stands on his fucking head to keep out, those aren't going to show up in the XG because they're deflected. Those things were tense, tense moments in this match, and you couple that with the late Mitrovic goal and the sunny, like, phantom offside call on Kane, which I still need to get a better look at. I didn't quite get a good one to see that Kane touched that ball that went in from Sun. The second, I mean, you've got another goal called offside. Then you've got, you know, Richie smashing it off of the post. Like, this is not the recipe for a very calm afternoon. That's all I'm saying, Kaz. But if you listen back to what you just said, I think you would agree that Fulham would not have deserved this victory. Like it would have felt very fluky for them to come out of that with a win um, because the, the chances were so lopsided in our favor. Mitrovic didn't wake up from his nap until it was too late. And, you know, son is going to get a goal soon. Oh I my feel God, like is today it was, it was so frustrating to watch because he, he played great. He had a really he did, great he did have, this was This was his first game where he really yes. genuinely played great. He deserved he a goal. Dented and the crossbar. He didn't get one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I don't think we we uh, deserved a draw from this one at all. It was a win all the way. Agreed. I mean, Mitrovic is so in form right now, and actually, the only the, I'm not even going to pick on the dude. So we'll graze on, graze it, and move on super fast. But Mitrovic only scored because Cootie just like stopped playing, and I'm not quite sure why. And I don't even want to talk about it. We'll just pretend it never happened. The dude's a fucking rock star and he's a world class and just whatever shit happens, right? But that's the only reason Mitrovic even scored. But Mitrovic is a baller, dude. And and that goal, it went in. I, I do I do have Andrew's, you know, shared shared feelings here that we scored or sorry, they scored. Um, and even when Hugo had to make that last hit save on the Mitrovic deflection right after the goal. I, I felt for the first time in years, like we're fine. We're, 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 we're a team that's going to be able to see ourselves out of this where I ne- did not feel that way a year ago. And I think to go back to West Ham, the fact that we didn't makes that point even so much better. Right. And, and that's not my point, but my overall point is like, we're getting these games over the line and it's so exciting. Right. And today was another example of me feeling like, no, we're going to get this done. Like I, I feel that the core players on the field right now will see us through this. And, and they did. I want to follow up on that, man. And when I said that this is very businesslike on the open, I think that that's exactly what I'm talking about. When you're looking at, at, at a Premier League season, which is obviously what Conte is doing, having won this league and, and the other leagues that he's coached in before, um, this is the way that you win those leagues, right? You yes. beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. You get hard-drawn points on the road. And you win some big fucking games. You keep everybody healthy. You get everybody to buy into the philosophy. You get quality depth and ro- squad rotation. Like all of the things that you would look at and say, this is how Antonio Conte wins football yes. matches and trophies. This is what he's doing at Tottenham. And it's exciting to see. This week made me feel so good because I feel like in years Ask Scotty, this is the type of week where we come out with one point instead of four. Exactly. No, 100%. And I think when I look at when I look at Conte too, when winning in a 38 game season, I think probably the, the thing that it takes more than anything is like 
the ability to stay in the present moment, the task at hand, nothing more, right? For as a manager, right? What do I need to do at this second? Looking no forwards or no behind. No, in looking, geez, that was really poor English, but looking forward or behind in no way, shape, or form, right? He seems to be very good at that, right? You, you've got a guy like Potch who has so much emotion and passion, he can just drag your ass to a Champions League final with Sissoko and, and Wings in the pivot, right? But a guy like Conte is going to stay focused only in the present and accomplish many tasks over a 38 game season. And that's why I say things like, I always fuck around about we're winning the league, but I predict a second this year with the asterisk that we might, we might surprise some people, right? Because of Conte and because of, of what I'm seeing right now, how business like this is Todd is spot on, man. Like we're not coming in and, and suave, you know, we're not suave. We're not coming in with like the slickest product in the world and, 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 and people are buying it up. Right. We're just super professional buttoned up and we're, we're almost like machine, like, um, and that's where I feel so confident about what I'm seeing and how these things are compounding. And again, to tie it all back, Fulham is just a great example of like building on a tough point on the road and getting the win at home because last year we probably dropped today. Right. And then we all started thinking like, shit, we're going to be maybe fighting for fourth. And then two weeks later, maybe fighting for seventh. Right. But those days are done. Yep. So, Kaz, I want to hear your opinion on this because ultimately uh, I'm looking at us in the best possible position. Everybody's talking about seeing Harlan and all the goals, and that's fantastic. And everybody's talking about those clowns down the road and that cream puff scheduling them to an to this point in the year. But I'm asking you, can you think of a better place for Spurs to be? Can you? Uh, the better place for us to be would be first, obviously. Well, but, huh? <laughs> but I get your point. I think – like I said earlier, we're, I think we got closer today, but we're still not playing at our top level yet. So that should be frightening other teams. Um, and I think we have had some tricky opponents. Um, obviously the newly promoted teams, not so much, but Wolves are always, you know, going to cause trouble. West Ham, Chelsea, like we've had some tests already. So that's feeling good. Um, the only slight concern is just the goal difference already. I don't know. I feel like every season I, I feel concerned about that, but hopefully it won't come down to that in the end anyway. Here, here's what I'll say about today. Uh, you know, when you're up two nil in the final 10 minutes of a match and you give up a goal that had a, a total of 0.06 XG, that's not 0.6, that's 0.06 XG. Um, and then you win the game two one, seeing it out. I, I'm okay with that any, any time. I get that it would be nice to have a clean sheet, but when you find a guy like Mitrovic who, who, like Scott said, is really on form and he curls one in like he did in a goal that just is is not a high probability chance um, and you see it out the rest of the way 2-1, I'm going to be good with that every single time. And when you fire 23 total shots on goal compared to their nine, uh, none of which were a big chance on, on their end, I just felt like this was a very, which we're talking about business-like performances. And I felt like this was very much in that category. I wanted to, I wanted to touch on two day, two full debuts. We saw today. We saw Richarlison start, which I thought we got pretty much everything out of Richarlison starting that we'd seen from him coming off of the bench in the previous handful of matches. Caroline, would you agree with that? Because I felt like that was really, really good from him. Yeah, he had fully deserved the start today. Uh, we saw more of what we've seen from the, his sub-appearances so far. I mean, I, I can't remember who was talking about this the other day, but they were saying, how can we get 
you know, the front three plus Richarlison all on the pitch at the same time. Um, that's kind of the dream. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I think Kulu, he probably needed the rest more than Sun did because, you know, we've been talking about Sun just needing to work his way back into to goal scoring form. Um, so I was perfectly fine with him being the one to, to make way for the starting lineup. Um, and the, the other first time starter, Clement Langlais, I thought he had a quietly, you know, awesome game. He didn't really get a whole lot of attention, um, in the moment, but he, he did his job, which I think to be fair is kind of what Ben Davis does every game, you know, he goes under the radar, but he's, he's just consistent and reliable. Um, so that was, you know, perfect performances from them. Um, Two things. Longley, uh, you know, sands the little kind of slip up he had in the first half, which happens to everybody. I thought that he was very, very solid. You're right. He played very much like Ben Davis. The only difference that I noticed in their playing style is his left foot is class. Like it's yeah. it's it's a cut above. Um, when it comes to Richarlison, um, I'm going to say this right now. Like that guy goes down as a cult hero at Spurs. Like that guy has the makeup to be a Spurs legend. Like it sucks that offside and a post robbed us of him getting on the score sheet today, but that celebration where he re revealed one of the dopest tattoos you'll ever want to see. And I won't, won't ruin it for you. Go check it out yourself uh, on his chest as he flipped his shirt off and slid into the crowd to celebrate. Um, that's everything that you could possibly want from a $16 million summer in a match in a London derby where you absolutely need that uh, to seal the game. Even though that goal didn't count, that effectively killed off the game because that sucked the air out of Craven Cottage. It was awesome. I, just real quick, I kind of want to go back to what Todd had asked earlier about, you know, kind of where we're at this season and are we in a good spot? I feel like I still need a little more data, and I think that's going to come from these next few weeks where we're continuing the midweek games with the weekend games, uh, champions league coming into play, it's going to be a huge test of our, our squad depth. Cause I think we just talked about, you know, Richarlison, Longley, like those are really quality depth pieces. Um, but as we go throughout the rest of the lineup, there may be a few positions where we don't have as strong of a backup. So this is going to be a big test of Conte's man management and, you know, I think we, we might come on to this, but his substitution strategy is maybe not always the best. Anyone have thoughts on that? Yeah, that's what I wanted to get into next, actually, because and actually, yeah, let's get into that, because we saw two subs today, one of them very late. Perisic came on for for Sun. Um, and then in the West Ham match, we only saw the uh, the one sub. It was Richarlison uh, coming on. Uh, like 75th, 76th minute for Kulisevsky. Um, So three total subs in the last two games where you, you could have made a total of 10 in a week where you've got essentially two, three games and, and going into next week as well. Um, obviously, we're going to see rotation going forward because it's necessary. But yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts on on the substitution patterns as well. well I think fitness played a huge part in what we saw at West Ham. Um, I also think that it's no surprise that Conte likes to have a small squad. 
Um, it's something where tight rotations, and especially with how closely he keeps an eye on practice. Scott, I don't know that I would expect anything different given the guys that he had available to him over the course of the last week. Yeah, I mean, I think subs are always going to be wingback centric. I think, you know, at yeah. pretty much every game because they have to be for reasons that I, I will no longer talk about because everyone's had enough, right? But uh, we're always going to see those positions rotated. And I think we're going to always see somebody up top rotated. And I think we're going to often see somebody in the midfield rotated. And I say often because it will be dependent on the situation. I think there will be times where you ask Hoybier and Bentecourt to just please God hang on for us, right? But um, yeah, uh, we know that those wingbacks are going to flip. And, and, and I think the most exciting thing for me is once I think Sesk, comes to full fruition which i do expect to happen and i think once we get a healthy doherty and, and a spence you know elevates someone maybe not this season we'll see right but whatever it is we're going to start to see rotation and i'm really excited to see specifically parasitch and doherty coming off the bench in matches where we need a little bit more more oomph down the flanks right i think you'll see some really really exciting balls played in against tired legs and specifically tired defenders who are just not as tight to their man because they're super tired right late in the game so um we are going we're going to elevate our game to another level when we see better rotation at the wingback position if we're talking substitutes and so until we have a good full force of wingbacks ready to go you know we probably will see more limited substitutions um especially considering you want to keep either one of Kane or Son on the field at all times in my opinion I think the bigger concern when it comes to rotation is the midfield, uh, especially with Skip. It's a concern, yeah. Kind of a question mark. You know, he's coming off basically two injuries now. Um, hasn't had any game time at all for months and months. So, and then we've got Sar, who's, you know, practically a child and obviously not trusted yet by Conte. So it's like in the last, in the game with West Ham, I felt like we were crying out for a substitute for Basuma, but I don't think Conte felt like there was one, um, which didn't mean that he couldn't have, you know, made some changes elsewhere in the lineup to try to mitigate that, but not ideal, obviously. And I think that's, you know, I'm, I come down pretty positive on how our transfer window went overall, but I think if you were going to make any complaint, it would be that the players we sent out were loans and we didn't get, the funds to find another midfielder to come in just for that depth. Well, it's also the idea that you have, you feel like four when all are healthy, but the second one of them isn't healthy and skip coming back from an injury. And we saw, you know, you mentioned earlier, Hoybier go kind of had that injury slash. Maybe it was a, a boot issue on Wednesday. Like we're not sure what it was uh, exactly, but then he turns around and plays today and plays really fucking well i thought uh, along with bentoncore who's coming back off a concussion well uh, yeah I, the head injury you can't account for that you so can't that account for it thing. yeah and <laughs> i was surprised to see both bentoncore and hoybier in the midfield today for fulham delightfully surprised because that's those are the guys i want out there obviously mm -hmm. um you know in that spot but yeah you, you're the second one of them goes down for any any purpose and you're bringing someone else in a midfield, I feel like, is the, you know, center backs, it's important to have chemistry back there as well. But the midfield especially 
because there's so much responsibility for both of them to not only protect the center backs, but also to tr- attempt to progress the ball, you know, whether, whether out wide or to the front three themselves. So there's so much going on there. There's so many moving parts there. The second that gets disrupted, you know, you see how poorly it can go. Well, it's all in a pulley system. Like the two midfielders, like one, no one can see me right now, but you guys can. One, one is one is pressing and one is protecting, and the other is pressing and protecting, and it's just constantly flipping. Right. Um, you also think about the fact that that string spreads out to the fullbacks, or sorry, the wingbacks, mm-hmm. right? And how all all of that plays into what our shape is, right? It's it's all it's all very important and intertwined, right? Um, and I think. It's it is mildly concerning, more than mildly concerning. Be you know the wing backs and the and the center mid positions are the two concerns, right? Um, but I will also say, as a fan base, if Basuma starts in the Champions League on the week, we need to back him. Like we got to get these guys on the field and we got to get him playing well, right? We can't sit here and just hoy bier bentaker hoy bier bentaker forever, right? So we got to no, get Skip and Basuma bedded in and. That means they're going to have to play. So, um, and I'm not talking to you three. I think probably just talking again to the Twitter void when I say these things, right? Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's it's time to get some guys bedded in, and, and we need to do that quickly. So, before we move off of the Fulham match, um, I want to give Todd an opportunity to salute General Ho for a, another a, a second goal on the season already for this guy. Like hell yeah! Like this guy's already tied with own goal on the season uh for for you know the the goal total for 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 spurs like how about that listen harry kane uh added another to his tally in the london derby uh goal scoring column i think that's 40 now for him in london derbies just know the general ho is on his way for you harry (laughs) second this year in london derbies my Viking is doing bits. Listen, um, the fact that any midfielder is scoring for Tottenham right now, can we just fucking talk about that? Like, that's pretty darn exciting. Like, it's... I don't give a shit who it is. I don't care if it goes in off his ass. Like, listen, this is what I know is that both goals that Hoybier has scored, scored this year have been beautiful, and I'm not mad at a single one of them. So keep it moving, General Ho. That's my fucking Viking for everybody paying attention at home. He mixes no cement. He just bangs in goals. That's it. You know, it's funny that one of our best chances in this game fell to Eric Dyer. I, and it's not a bad thing, you know? We've got we've got multiple threats happening. And we won't talk about his free kick. No, we don't we don't need to discuss that. All the all the people calling for Harry Kane to be off of free kicks forever. Is that, is that what you want? Is that well, what you? Maybe we just accept that we're cursed to never score a free kick again. It's a possibility. That's, that's fine. Score from corners. Just play short free those. kicks and just take the possession. Why take not? the possession, pressure, all of that. I love all of. I, I love everything that we're talking about here. Um, yeah, the midfield. It's gonna it's gonna continue to to grow, and it has to. Six games in, we're we're not. Nobody's freaking out. We're all just we're all just moving it along. Um, When's a window shit? Yeah, when does the window shut? Oh, wait a second. It did shut. <laughs> Thank God. The longest summer transfer oh, window. God. Look at you. Look at you, Scott jumping on the on the transition. Just just doing it for me, which I love. Boom. Um Stay summer, for days. Summer window is coming for that host job, maybe. Keep your eyes Done and dusted. <laughs> done and dusted is the window. Uh not much, not much is the tail end of the window for Spurs, which is I think expected and almost welcome. Um, sure, it would have been nice to maybe 
do one or two other things uh, in the final handful of days slash week. But um, instead, it was just a couple of outgoings. And I think the only thing, you know, look, we've we've talked transfers ad nauseum all summer long. Um, you know, it was indeed a hot spur summer. Um, but I think the one thing that, that to discuss is the last couple of trickling outgoings in both Sergio Reggian and Harry Winks. Those were the two that within this last week finally moved on. Uh, they were the, the final two holdouts from the, I don't know what we're calling the, the four when you combine the two of them with both, uh, Indombele and La Celso, the, the Holy four, the, you know, whatever, whatever you want to, whatever nickname you want to come up with. Them. I the guess vortex. I could Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the empty hole in, in Antonio Conte's Tottenham Hotspur. Um, but I guess my question all very is talented you, too, which is the worst all, part. Like, all very talented players. I have no, I, I, have a little, <laughs> I have a little bit of ill will toward Giovanni La Celso because I think there was a little bit of that guy didn't really want to even be good for Spurs. I feel like he was, I don't know. I feel like he was a little bit of a dick at times. Um, but I don't know that. I don't know that for sure. That's just a vibe that I got. Um, but I guess my question to you guys is with Winks and Reggion specifically, I don't think we're going to see La Celso and Ndombele come back to Spurs, but is there any a kind of, any kind of door ajar in the future for Winks and Reggion? Because these were just loan moves. They were not loans with options to buy. They were not loans with obligations to buy. These were straight loan moves for Winks and Reggion. Um, do we, Scott, do we see any window for these two guys at all in the future? Or is this just done and dusted? I mean, I, I don't I don't want them back. I hope for their own sake that this is over. I think the loan moves were empathetic in nature, right? Um, let's make sure these guys don't waste away and, and miss an entire season of their career is what those loans moves were. So yeah, I don't I hope not because neither of them are good enough to play over what we have right now, in my opinion. But that is more tactical in nature and not in ability, right? I think they can find homes where they can be good players. So I hope it's done. What the I would only say, way, oh sorry, yeah, Todd. Go ahead. no, no, go ahead, Cass. Uh, I was gonna say the only way I see Reggion coming back is if this is in a post-Conte world where we're no longer sure. playing a back three. I agree uh, with that. He he had his moments when we were in the back four system where he showed a lot of potential, and it's I said this before, but it's you know unfortunate for him that we did make this tactical shift, and it's not a position that he's suited to, so. That's the only way I see him coming back. And my perspective is um, the only way that either of those two players comes back and makes an impact for Tottenham is if um, we all of a sudden become very terrible. Uh, we, we would have to regress significantly, lose Kane and Conte, and then hope that we would be able to get those players as the dominoes begin to fall away in despair. Uh, no, bro, no. Uh, Harry Winks goes to Italy and does Italian things, and Sergio Regulon takes Marta back to Spain and does Spanish things, and good for him. Keep it moving. How you doing? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't fully disagree. I think Caroline, to your point about Reggion, I just felt like when you looked at Reggion and Emerson, there it always felt to me like Emerson had more of an ability to become a wing back than Reggion did, and we're seeing that I think to an extent. I think I think when Reggion was attempting to play left wing back at the tail end of last season, I think we saw that he is way more of a left back and a good left back. Like I'm not trying to 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 dig on Sergio Reggian. I think he's a very good, very talented left back and he can go play in Madrid. Um, 
and and be a good La Liga left back. Like I don't I don't think there's any doubt about. Yeah, yeah, it, it's an important point you say La Liga left back because like I just I don't think he's strong and, and physically suited for this league, right? I saw him get bodied a lot when he played even as a left back, and that kind of put him out of position, right? His his physical ability. So I think in Italy or Spain, he will thrive. He's I mean clearly he's at Atletico Madrid, right? They're gonna they're gonna make a run at everything they're in. So he's they're very talented. Um, he's at a good team because he's a very good player, but he's not a wingback. That's for damn sure. Um, but good shout, Caroline. If if there were a different formation or a different tactical approach, I'm not unhappy that he's on our books by any means, right? And for Winks, it's it's as simple as people have talked for a long time about that guy could go to Italy and be pretty good, and we'll but now get to see if that happens. We'll now get to see in a team that needs, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but they're a team that needs like someone to be like the guy. Right. And he will have an opportunity to go and be that. And I'm very excited for him. Like he seems, and he, he said, keep in mind, I think nineties babies like Winks grew up in a Siri all reigning world, right? Siri all was King back in the the eighties and nineties. Um, he said, I've, I've always wanted to play in Italy. This is so exciting for me. Like, I guarantee you he grew up watching AC Milan and Inter and, you know, Juventus and whatnot. They all did. Um, guys going went to, like, Lazio. That was, like, a huge move or something, right? So, like, the, yeah, the Serie A was big then, and he's excited to go play in a league that he watched growing up as anyone would be, right? Are we calling people born in 1996 90s babies? I mean, I know technically that's true. I, I'm 88, baby, so that's I, I don't know about those kids. <laughs> Look, I think he's actually going to do really well there. The type of player that Harry Winks is plays extremely well in front of an Italian back four and an Italian back three. Like, I'm not mad at, at, at what they're trying to do there. I think that um, he's – I think he's truly going to shine. Um, I think for Sergio Reggion, um I think – do you remember when Brian Heal went back to Valencia last year and then all of a sudden he just kind of got an extra spring in his step? Wouldn't surprise me if we see something extremely similar from Sergio Reggion. I don't know why. I'm not even going to speculate. What I'll just say is it's something I'm looking out for. Mm-hmm. And with Winks, I think his loyalty to the club might have prevented him from pushing for a loan sooner and vice versa with the club. You know, We wanted it to yeah. work out with him. Um, but it yeah. finally got to this point where for the sake of his career, you know, a move had to happen. So good luck to him. Thank you, Joe. I think uh, overall, when you look at this window, it's a it's a, a net spend of around 144 million pounds when when the club came out before it and said we've got about 150 to 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 go out there with uh, when you include the uh the making permanent of Christian Romero's deal. I, I don't know if I worded that right. My my English is a little off. It's been a long day. Um but that I think is really, really strong. And we heard some comments from Antonio Conte that I think were taken mostly out of context. And there's a little bit of lost in translation when, when Antonio Conte speaks to the English press at this point. But I, I, I think Antonio Conte knows that this was a progressive, strong window for a club that is trying to build some build to something. And I think he knows that it can't all be done in one window and that's fine. And I'm fine with that. As long as we see, and God, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but in another three months, when we get another window, uh, hold on, let me let me just pause and wipe, <laughs> let me just pause and wipe the sweat off my brow for, before I go any further. Um, 
when we get another window, we need to see more progression. It cannot be stale. It, 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 this thing cannot reach a point where we're spinning wheels is, is I think what Antonio Conte is, you know, lost in translation trying to say, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. Tell me more about what you want to see in the transfer window, Andrew. Um, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> not, not yet. Gonna, not we're yet. not getting there. We're not. We're not doing oh, that's it. That's fantastic. Not... No, what I look at is 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 Rome wasn't built in a day, right? And and to make an Italian cliche, uh, apologies. Like, and he's not going to come out and say that, but that's essentially where we're at. That's that's kind of what we're talking about here. Is that we are slowly but surely changing the genetic makeup of this club. And we're doing it each, you know, window by window, uh, each front office signing, front office signing. When you look at what the, you know, who uh, Paratici brought in this summer to back him up. Um, when you're looking at the types of players we brought in and how Conte is deploying them and the types of players we got out and the types of deals that we did for them. All of this tracks along, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, there's a basic philosophy of this club, which is make Daniel happy. How do you make Daniel happy? You make fucking money. And then also (laughs) make Conte and the fans happy. How do you make Conte and the fans happy? You win fucking football matches. So if you're able to win fucking football matches and you're able to make fucking money, good things are going to continue to happen in Tottenham. That's what we're seeing. And the money part has been no problem even coming out of a global pandemic and, and, a, and a building of a stadium, now's the time where it's time to lift off. It's time to start winning consistently and winning actual hardware. And I think that's what we're all kind of looking forward to happening. Um, there will be this a, how you do it. yeah, this is exactly how you do it. There will be the start for a quest for hardware on Wednesday. Uh, Marseille uh, comes to the Tottenham Hotspur stadium for the start of the champions league group stage. Um, excited for that, excited to watch. And then after that, we get Man City. And there's nothing nothing, nothing like a good Man City match to, to follow that. So uh, Spurs and Man City right now level on points after City could not uh, defeat Aston Villa earlier today. So that will be something to look forward to as well. So two matches again this week. Um, looking forward to both of them. Looking forward to seeing what rotation can happen and what Antonio Conte is able to cook up for both of these games. So uh, it should be, it should be fun. Should be another fun week for Tottenham Hotspur and another fun week for the Tottenham Depot to to, to wrap it all up for you. Um, this has been a fun one, guys. Uh, a, a draw and a win, and still unbeaten. The still unbeaten Tottenham Hotspur is what we get to talk about, and we hope that that is uh, still the case come next week when we will uh, do it all again. Uh, get through the socials here. You can follow Caroline at CG Stefko. You can follow Todd at TC underscore Kasho. You can follow Scott at DSM Spurs. You can follow me at A Stetka. And you can follow the Tottenham Depot at Tottenham Depot, which is um, it's pretty simple. And go leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review all those things. Uh, it helps to spread the word. Uh, subscriptions really help too. You know, pod will download right in your feed for you it's it's really easy this whole podcasting thing uh until next week when we talk uh about marseille and and man city this has been the tottenham depot podcast as always come on you spurs thank you so much for stopping by the tottenham depot thanks to scott bird for our intro music as well as the tunes you are hearing right now thanks to dakota booth for our artwork thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, 
and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. And as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>